Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise the Lord. So God is a God of purpose. Again and again in the Bible, we're told, God says, my purpose will stand. I will do all that I've purposed. He has a purpose. He has a will. He has an intention. He has an expected end. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. One of the versions says to give you an expected end or a, a hope and a, and a future. So God has something that he's planned for us. We said last week that he's written in a book all the days ordained for us. And we're trying to find that. We're trying to understand and, and flow in God's purpose for us. Last week we spoke about how has God made me. And that was all about the design and the build, if you like. So if you can imagine making a model car and you put all the bits together, you follow the instructions, you put it all in the right place, everything is exactly as it should be. It's ready to go. But then you need to put the batteries in and you need to drive the thing. And that's what we're talking about today. So last week was how has God put me together. This week, it's what has God given me in the form of instructions, in other words, has God said anything to me? And secondly, in the form of power. And all of that can be wrapped up in the word anointing or in the word Holy Spirit. Um, all of this is a theme that runs right through the Bible. God made Adam out of the dust and then he's lying there, a, a perfect body but dead. And then it says God breathed life into him. Uh, Jesus was 30, 30 years on planet earth, the son of God, ready to do awesome things. But it was only when the Holy Spirit came upon him that he started doing the ministry that God had called him to do. The disciples had spent three years with Jesus. They were ready. They were made. They were all ready to go. But he said, do not leave Jerusalem. Can you imagine them? They're ready to go. They're rearing to go. They know what they must do. They've heard Jesus training. They've seen the miracles. They've got all this stuff. They know what's to come. And he says, don't leave until you've got this power from on high. Until you've received this, this empowering, this gift of the Holy Spirit that the Father promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized, filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. So you're getting this picture of you make something, you design it, you build it, you get it ready, but then you need to give it power and direction. So last week was how has God made me? We talked about M-A-D-E. And if you weren't here last week, please listen to it on the internet. Get the, the little handout that we gave last week. Work out what are my motivational gifts, where was my family background, uh, what are my desires, what are my experiences, how am I put together and, and ready to go. And then today we're talking about what has God given me. Are you ready for this? It's exciting stuff, folks. Can I just say that we are covering big topics quickly. Each of them, the M, the A, the D, and the E, could be a sermon in itself. Today, the G-I-V-E-N could each be a sermon in itself. But what we're doing is I'm giving you the tools and asking you to then go away and say, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me? So if you don't put in the homework, you may not get the full benefit out of this. But to just say, Lord, what are these things that you've given me so that I can find my purpose in you? And when I find my purpose, then everything else falls into line. 
Do you remember Jesus gets into the boat with the disciples? He sets the rudder. He says, we're going to the other side. Then he falls asleep. And even though a storm came, because they had purpose and direction, he expected them to be able to rebuke the storm and get through it. Eventually, they had to wake him up, and they had to do the, they, he had to do the rebuking. But once we know our purpose, it doesn't matter what comes against us, everything else we can handle because we know where we're supposed to be going with the Lord. So that's the aim of this course is for us to be able to find my purpose in the Lord. Right, so the first one is G, gifts. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, someone who's alert might say to me, hold on a second, last week the M was also gifts. Why are you doing gifts twice? And the reason is because I believe there's gifts that are put in us when we're born but then the gifts we're talking about today are gifts that are given to us later in life. Does that make sense? So my dad gave me blue eyes, but then he also gave me a, crisp, a bike for Christmas. It's that kind of a difference. God put motivational gifts in you, which is what we looked at last week. But now we're talking about gifts that he puts on, on you again, a separate thing. And so reading from... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it says, There are diversity, diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So that's, we're going to look at Spirit, Jesus, and Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in this, in this little uh, three verses. It says, There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. So there's some gifts that the Spirit gives. And that's what He gives us after we become Christians. Then it says there are different ministries, but the same Lord. That's talking about Jesus. And these are the ministries in Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Those are gifts that Jesus gives to the church, actually. And then it says there are different activities, but it is the same God who works all of them. And those are the seven gifts that we looked at last week. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Father gives you the motivational gifts when you're born. The Spirit gives you these nine gifts that we're looking at now after you're a Christian. And then Jesus gives gifts to the church, which are ministry gifts. I hope that helps you to understand. Because sometimes we see all these gifts in the Bible and we say, I can't separate them. They're just confusing. Is hospitality the same as miracles? I don't understand. What, what's the difference? No, no. There's motivational gifts. There's ministry positions. And then there's gifts of the Spirit, which are put upon us. And these are the nine gifts that we're looking at today. I hope that's clear. So he goes on to say, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given, I'm in verse 7, to each one for the profit of all. So he says that each one of us in, in the church should have these gifts, at least one or more of these gifts operating in our lives. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. One of these nine, or more than one of these nine, should be operating in our lives. And he says it's for the good of all. In other words, they're for public use. They're not for my personal edification. They're for public use. Right. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working in miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For, the body, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
Right, I'm gonna not go into too much detail about these nine gifts. I'm gonna categorize them into three categories for you. There's the speaking gifts, there's the discerning gifts, and there's the power gifts. And I just wanna say that these gifts are not just for use in church. Many times we've heard teachings about these gifts and we think it's just about church. It's actually not. If you have these gifts, they're for you to use every day in your life. And we're going to talk about that now. So, the speaking gifts, he says there's prophecy, there's tongues, and there's interpretation of tongues. These are gifts of the Spirit where the Lord gives a person the ability to speak out in an inspired way, in a public way, in a public place. So, tongues is definitely for church and interpretation of tongues. But prophecy is speaking out God's words and it can be done in everyday life. You can speak God's words in a way that's not weird and not scary, but it brings God's power to situation. And I've seen it many times in everyday, everyday normal life, you can speak words of prophecy. So the speaking gifts are gifts where God's spirit comes upon you and he gives you the ability to speak something that's from him, not from your own cleverness, but from the Lord and it breaks through. It's a powerful gift that breaks things through. Maybe you have the speaking gifts. Maybe um, you use them sometimes and they're not your primary one. We can all use some of these gifts all the time, but just try and say, how is the Lord using me in these gifts? So the first one is speaking. Second one is power gifts. And this is um, miracles, faith, and healings. These are gifts where we have the ability through the Spirit to do extraordinary things. Faith means I have a, a, a deep, strong conviction and confidence that I can do something for the Lord. And it might even be a business thing. I think businessmen usually operate in these gifts. Great businessmen for the kingdom usually use miracles and faith more than anything. Obviously, healings is, is definitely part of it as well. But for business, Miracles and faith. I've seen so many businessmen who say, you know, when I started trusting the Lord for my business, He gave me wisdom, and then I had faith to do things for Him, and miracles happened. And they just tell story after story after story of how God blessed their business because they operated in the gifts of the Spirit. So that's the power gifts. And then the third one is the discernment gifts. He talks about discerning of spirits, a word of wisdom, and a word of knowledge. This is a supernatural ability to discern motives and what's going on in a person's life is it the flesh is it the holy spirit is it a demonic spirit what's going on why are they saying what they're saying a discernment gift a word of wisdom you just have a, a supernatural ability to know the right thing to do or say and the way forward and a word of knowledge you have a supernatural sense of something that you wouldn't have known otherwise so you say Gee, has this happened to you recently? And you wouldn't have known that, but God dropped it into your heart. Again, that's for church use, but also in the wider world. A mum in a family, to have a word of knowledge is so useful to be able to say to their child, are you struggling with this? Or a word of wisdom for a parent to say, this is the way we must go as a family. Discerning of spirits, to know what's going on with your kids and your family. These are gifts that God gives to the body, and each of us should be using them. Are you using that? Have you seen that in your life? Have you seen the gifts of the Spirit being used in your life? And the way that God uses you in these gifts will help you determine your purpose. Right, I'm moving quickly. I'm going to come back to gifts when I talk about anointing at the end. But the next one is I, and this is instructions. Instructions means what has God told you to do in the past? Now this is 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to ask you to just focus a little bit and think carefully. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of sermons and Bible verses you've read in the past and Christian books you've read and things you've learned. There's hundreds of them. But I wanna say to you, there's probably three or four that are absolutely essential. They, they were God's word to you <laughs> that gave you an idea of what His purpose was for your life. You say, gee, I, I can't even remember all the sermons. I heard a man once went to a pastor and he says, I can't remember what you preached on last week or any of the last 10 years. So the pastor said, well, can you remember all the meals that you, your wife cooked for you for the last 10 years? He says, no. Well, you benefited from them. It's the same with the Word of God. Most of the Word of God just gives us food. We can't really remember it. But every now and again, there's a word that you can remember. Isn't it true? You say, that word was just, it stood out for me. And you think everyone, it stood out for everyone, but it didn't. It was just for you. That's God's word. Or else there's a verse and you read it and it's just, it sticks with you. It doesn't leave you. Or a prophecy, a word from somebody else where the, somebody says, the Lord says this. When I was a brand new Christian, I was in a boarding school. We were in a tiny little meeting. And some people came from a church about 100 kilometers away. They did a little play and a little song thing. And then they came, one of the guys came to me afterwards. I, I was maybe a month old as a Christian. And he just said, the Lord says. And he gave me a few little things. And I've never met him again. I don't even know his name. But that was crucial to me. It, it, I look back on it often as a guiding word for my life. A lady at Bible school gave me a word as well that was just so of the Lord. I've had hundreds of prophecies, and to be honest, I've forgotten most of them. But there's a few of them that are just so foundational and so helpful. So the second point is what has God instructed you to do? This helps us to know our purpose. Let me just say that it's a bit of a moving thing. It moves as we grow in the Lord. Sometimes we think this is what God said, and then as time goes on, it becomes clearer and clearer. Amen? But it's a good exercise to say, Lord, what have you said to me? What are the three or four main things that you've shown me, the sermons that have stirred my heart, or the words from the Bible, or the prophecies, and that I'm going to write down on my little page, which is why we've given you a handout, so that you can write these things down, and you can say, this helps me to know what my purpose in the Lord is. Let me just try and clarify this a little bit from the life of Paul. The Apostle Paul had an amazing uh, purpose from the Lord. At the end of his life, he says, I've fought the fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished the race, I've done what God called me to do. Oops. Is this still working? And he knew his purpose in the Lord. But it... it progressed over time. In Acts chapter 13, verse 47, it starts off where he says, this is what the Lord has commanded me. I've made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And that was from Isaiah 49.6. So it started off with a Bible verse. God highlighted a Bible verse to Paul and he says, I know that's my instructions, my orders from the, from the commander. That's my job. But then later on in Acts chapter 20, let me just read you some of these amazing verses. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22, Paul says, he's talking to some Christians, and he says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation awaits me, but none of these things move me, 
nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What he's saying is that he's getting instructions from the Lord all the time, prophecies and words and warnings and, and ideas of what he should do. And he knows he's supposed to go to Jerusalem and he knows there's hardship ahead. But he says, I know my purpose because God gave me a verse from Isaiah 49 and I know what I'm supposed to do. And so none of these threats of danger move me because I know what I'm supposed to do. Do you see how this fits together? There's the word, but then there's also words from the spirit and all of this fits together. And then in Acts chapter 21, I don't have time to read it all for you now, but Paul is in a place called Caesarea and he's with Philip the evangelist, who's this amazing miracle worker. And Philip has four daughters who are all prophetesses and they're powerful. And then there's Luke and Timothy and Tychicus and a few other greats there. And then this prophet called Agabus comes to Paul. So there's all these great Christians in the room and Agabus comes to Paul and he takes his belt and he ties his hands and he says, this is what the Lord says. Your hands are going to be tied if you go to Jerusalem. Just stick with me here. Just imagine the scene. So Paul has had all these instructions from the Lord about what he must do. And then this prophet comes and gives him a word saying, this is what's going to happen if you go to Jerusalem. And it says in verse 12, Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So Paul has got this prophetic word from this major prophet Jerusalem, trouble ahead. And all these great Christians, Luke, who wrote part of the Bible, Timothy, who led massive churches. There's uh, Philip and his four daughters. And all these great people are saying, don't go to Jerusalem. And listen to what it says in verse 13. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And after those days, we packed up and went to Jerusalem. Why am I telling you this? Because instructions from the Lord need to be put in the right order. Number one, you've got to say, what does God's word say? Then there's prophecies that God has spoken to me, and then prophecies that other people give to me. If you put them in the correct order, you'll find your purpose in the Lord. But if you say, when some, if a great prophet came and prophesied to me, then I must throw out everything else God's ever told me, then you'll get it wrong. Are you following me? It's very important. And the, the word of God must come first. If, if you get a feeling from the Lord, God's saying, leave your wife and go marry another woman. It's not the Lord. Because the Bible says that's not good. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a, a, a very clear order. The Bible, then words that God has given me, and then words that God gives other people for me. And if someone comes to you and says, the Lord is telling me to tell you, just Check first that it agrees with the Bible and that the Lord has already told you the same thing. Is that okay? So, gifts, instructions. V stands for victories. What is this all about? David says in 1 Samuel 17 verse 37, he's at the front line, there's Goliath there. And David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He knew his purpose when he came up against this real opposition because of the victories that God had won for him in the past. Friends, there's a tendency in the world today 
to say, what are your weaknesses? Work on your weaknesses. I believe God says, what are your victories? Let's work with your victories. <laughs> Don't try and fix all the things you're poor at. Work at what God's already given you success in. What has God done in you and through you where you say, God did that? There was an anointing. There was a power. I know that God did this. That's a great guide for you to know what your purpose is. Are we okay so far? You're writing notes or you're going to go home and write notes? Very good. Right. E. G-I-V-E. E stands for excitement. Your passion. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It talks about in the Bible how Apollos, Acts chapter 18, I can't remember the exact verse, it's near the end of chapter 18. It says, he spoke with fervency in the Spirit. There was an excitement and something in him. The Holy Spirit was making him zealous, excited. Yeah, I can do this. Do you have that? Do you have an excitement or a passion for something? It could be that the Lord has given you that. It could be the Holy Spirit in you giving you the zeal, the desire to do something else, to do something for the Lord. When you see somebody else doing a ministry, does that excite you? And you say, I want to be like that. That's a good sign of the Lord's purpose for your life. When there's a passion for something. When something just bores you, then it, it may not be your passion. Amen? Right. I just want to read you this verse. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. The NIV says according to His purpose. God works in you to will and to do according to His pleasure. That means He puts a want-to inside you. He changes my want-to. He doesn't just give me instructions from the outside. He puts a, a desire inside me, an excitement. And often that's of the Lord. You know, we think, oh, I want it. It can't be of the Lord. No, no, your desires can be of the Lord, especially when you've dedicated them to Him. Amen? All right, so, G-I-V-E. The last one is anointing. It's supposed to be start with an A. But it wouldn't have worked if we'd said givea instead of given. So we used the word anointing. Why am I talking about the anointing? Can I just be honest with you? I think a lot of us as Christians, especially in our kind of church, which is a, a more free kind of church, we understand all of the stuff, the gifts of the Spirit, we understand the excitement, the passion, the words of prophecy, all this kind of stuff. But most of us think there's the anointed guys... And then there's me. <laughs> oh, there's brother wonderful. He's, he's anointed. But look at all me. And then we go to brother wonderful and we ask him to lay hands on us so that we can get that anointing. And then it doesn't, we don't get a, a whole lot of goosebumps. So then we go to another sister amazing and she prays for us. And we don't get the goosebumps. And we're trying all these different things to get this anointing. And I've got an amazing word for you today. 1 John 2 verse 20 says, But you have an anointing. <laughs> That's what it says. It says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Not from Brother Wonderful. From Him Himself. 
and you know all things. Now, most of us say, well, if I had an anointing, I would feel anointed. I would walk in it. I would be walking on water often, and I would be doing amazing. If I had the anointing from the Holy One, from Jesus, boy, imagine what I could do with my life. The purpose of God would be so amazing. And so we're looking outside of ourselves for an anointing all the time because we're basing it on our feelings. There's an amazing verse in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 where Paul says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Let me just tell you about that verse for a moment. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Paul says to Timothy, I remind you. That means he'd already told him previously. I remind you. He's saying it again. I remind you. Timothy, remember I told you before about this gift that's in you and, and you need to stir it up? I'm telling you again, stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Timothy had had an experience. We know from 1 Timothy chapter 4 that it was when all the elders and Paul laid hands on Timothy and they prophesied and they gave him instructions and a gift was put in him. Imagine Timothy. He's been had hands laid on him by the great Paul the Apostle. I mean, you can't get a better brother wonderful than that apart from Jesus. And yet, he's still, the very ver next verse says, because we've not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. In other words, Timothy was allowing his own fear and his own timidness, timidity, to override the gift that was already in him, the anointing that was in him. You know what the word anointing means? It just means to put a dab of oil on somebody. Just a dab. They didn't, they didn't get a lot. They just got a certain amount. And they didn't get it every single day. They just got it once. The king in the Old Testament got anointed with oil. The priest got anointed. And then he was anointed forever. Just one anointing was enough. A little dab of oil was enough to last him for his whole life. You've been anointed. If you've had hands laid on you, or even if you haven't, you've got an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And it's now up to us to stir it up. <laughs> the NIV says fan to flame. And that Greek word stir up actually has the word fire in it. it it's the picture of, I don't know if you've ever done this. When I have a barbecue, my, my son Matthew will, will know about this. Whenever we make a fire at home or we have a barbecue, we almost always let it go out and then we have to stir it up again. I don't know why, we're just very poor at making fires. But often, I find myself with my face very close to the coals and the coals are almost dead and I'm going <laughs> and I'm trying to stir this fire back into life again. Have you ever done that? That's what he's saying. He says there's a gift in you but it's not going to just automatically happen. You, there's something you need to do. You need to put your face close, which means you, you intentionally focus on the Lord and on His things. And you say, just like Paul reminded Timothy, you've got to remind yourself of this gift. Then you blow. And then usually you put a little bit of fuel, like some twigs or some grass, just to start it going. And then it bursts into flame and, it, and, it, and it's a flame again, really, really strongly. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to close now. We're talking about what has God given us. 
And the reason I'm saying this is don't think you have to run around looking. God has already put something amazing in you. The power of Jesus, the one who rose from the dead, that power is in you. And we just need to fan it to flame. We need to focus on it. We need to blow, which I, I think the easiest way is worship and praying in tongues. For me, that's the easiest way. Jude verse 20 says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So the way I build my, the way I fan it to flame, the way I build myself up is I pray in tongues often, regularly, constantly, because then it builds up what's already in me. And then I put fuel on. I, I try little exploits. I try to do things for the Lord to give Him a chance to use my gift. If I do that, I put my face close, I look intentionally, I blow, I worship, and I pray in the Holy Spirit, and I put some fuel, I give myself opportunities to serve, what happens is that gift, <laughs> that gift starts to grow. And then He starts giving me more instructions, and I get more direction, and I know what my purpose is. And as I practice... My purpose becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Do you remember what God said to Abraham? He said, Abraham, leave your family and your father's household and go to the place that I will show you. Not go to X place. Go to the place that I will show you after you've left. And Abraham stepped out and he started going. God wants us not to know the whole plan of our purpose and advice, but to start walking. And as we go, he shows us more and more of our purpose. Let's stand and pray together. Lord Jesus, we focus on you right now. Lord, we focus on you, the author and perfecter, the, the beginning and end of our faith. Jesus, we look at you. We thank you, Lord, that you are our perfect example, that you have a purpose for us, that you set your face like flint and you went the way that God had told you to go. And Lord, we want to do the same. I pray today, Lord, for myself and my brothers and sisters, that you would help us to find the purpose that you have for us by saying, what instructions, what power, what gifts have you given us? What anointing do we have to be able to work for you, Lord? I pray that every one of us would find our purpose in you, Lord. That we wouldn't be blown around and wavering all over the place, but we would know where you've called us and what you've given us to do. But Lord, today especially, I pray that you would help us to fan to flame this gift that you've already put inside of us. Jesus, I thank you that we have an anointing from you. Not from anyone else, but from you. We already have it. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to work it out in our daily lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.